Hey, it's me. It's Brian. Hey, I want you to really dig into all this. Get your notepad out. Get your pen, your pencil, what have you. And really get on to this blueprint that Paymon is going to show you in this episode. You want to know how a startup gets done? This is it. Check it out now. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another episode of The Authority Project. And we have Paymon Tai here. He is here, he says, to help us go into uncharted territories and succeed or something to that nature. Is that right, Paymon? Yeah, that's something along that lines. I'm going to fill in the blanks as we go along, but that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we shall see. We shall see on this yeah. episode of The Authority Frank. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, we are back with another episode of The Authority Project, and I am honored to have Paymon Tai here in the building, and we are going to be talking about going into uncharted territories. I am. <laughs> I want to know what this is all about. Before, before we even dive into that at all, please tell us, um, Paymon, who you are personally and then professionally. Sure. So I'm a husband of a beautiful wife and a four-year-old. And uh, professionally speaking, I'm the founder of VizMe. And it is the all-in-one visual design tool. So it allows people to create all types of content, not just graphics, not just presentations, but those and everything between. And my team and I are on a mission to empower everybody to create better content, not just okay content without very little experience and to be able to do it better than they can do, do it in any other tool. That's what we're doing. Great. And I think that's, I think that answers my second question, which is, what is your current <clears throat> project? Which is, which is must, mostly, must, must be always with me. Am I correct about that? Or, or is there something else that you want to share? Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I live and breathe it day and night. <laughs> so that's, that's basically my time with my son. Eat a quick breakfast go to work, come to the office, it's pretty nearby, about 10 minutes away and so on. Uh, most of us are social distancing for COVID, but there's just like three of us here in the office, four of us, everybody else, actually most of our team is remote all over the world. Wow. Uh, but of course, there's a lot of those people now in the main office than before. And then um, <clears throat> this is, uh, yeah, this is, will go on for another, I don't know, two or three hours. It's 4 p.m. Eastern here, probably be here till 6, 7 p.m. Go home, spend some time with my son and family, and then uh, do a late night workout when the gym's empty. Oh, nice. And, okay. Yeah. So, okay. I like and, that. I like that. Go a late night session in the back, you know, get some sleep and rinse and repeat. I love it. Okay. All right. So let's let's get into it. So, and not now, you know what? I haven't done this in a while. So, mm-hmm. you're ready for this. So, sure. Can you dive into your story just a bit? I mean, you know, your journey has been pretty pretty easy, right? 
Am I, am I right about that or, or no? Easy? No, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> easy is for babies. You know? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's been, it's been tough as with, with running any business and so on, especially, um, and I think particularly when it's a self-funded company that you start from nothing and brick by brick you build. And then um, I think it just feels a lot more, I don't know, feels a lot more special, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but no, it's um, it's not my first, you know, venture in essence. I, this all came about as me running a web agency, which I kind of started to pay my way through college. And we're talking about the early 2000s when the dot-com bubble burst and so on. That's when I started and I was in college. And then, um, you know, long story short, out of that small agency over the years, I saw two things. One was my own frustration with using different software to create different types of content as a professional. So I would use Adobe, I would use PowerPoint and Keynote, um, you know, whether it's for creating graphics for a website or creating short animations or creating, you know, the slide deck for a client and so on. And then also seeing the same thing with clients who would have to come to me and other designers just to create a little, if they wanted to create something that looks better than just their average PowerPoint or a little graphic they want to drop on their site and so on. For all of those, they had to go to a professional because there was no software where they couldn't do it themselves. So I put two and two together. And uh, over the last seven years, we've been working heavily on making and solving both problems. One, software that allows people to create different types of content with one learning curve, a short learning curve. And then two, to be able to do it in the least amount of time possible with and be able to take it up a few notches. Because the problem that I see as a lot of the design tools out there, they're either very dumbed down to give you a quick entry point, very quick end result. There's some good ones out there. But then the second that you want to go a little bit further, you want to add some just beyond a basic animation, or you want to add some interactivity, you want to have call to actions, you want to just be able to have access to assets that you cannot find anywhere else, you fall short. So then the next step above that is to go to something like and Adobe Suite of products, which are really meant for me and other designers and so on in the past. Right. And those are great products, but they're really for the top professionals. We are bridging the gap between the two. That's what our product is. That's what it's all about. I love it. He's talking like a, a true entrepreneur there. You see the <laughs> so, <laughs> and we'll talk about it. yeah, we'll talk about that later about, about competitors. So stay tuned with that, everybody. But let's let's talk about these uncharted territories. Now I'm going to go with the with your original title because it was, it was a tad bit long, but I want everybody to know where, where he was originally wanted to say to you at first. So here's the original title. Welcome to the world of entrepreneurship, the land of the brave, where you take on risk in uncharted, uncharted territories and create your own faith. What do you mean by that, sir? Well, uh, what I mean by that is that you... You know, with entrepreneurship or business in general, you know, often, you know, when you're in school, I didn't go to school for business. I went to school for like biology and so on. And I actually liked uh, the fact of explaining it from a more evolutionary biological standpoint versus like business speak. You go to business school, it's where, hey, you make a business plan and you make rules and you go to step one and step two and step three. And then everything will go along that way because you're planning everything. Okay. Well, let me give you a reality check. That's a bunch of BS, man. Because <laughs> you know, every, it's great to have a plan, but everything's going to change along the way. 
that's just the way it works. It's almost like telling, you know, an NBA player and you're going to go in and you're going to know every single move. No, it has to come naturally and you pivot along the way. That's how business works, I think, for most people. Yeah. And so the and because of that, for those that do way too much planning, they end up usually getting burned because things don't go along the way they want. And if they're not open to change, I've been guilty of that myself. And then additionally, you're going to get beat down. You're going to get you know slapped around. You're going to lose <laughs> a lot. You're going to get frustrated a lot. And you got to keep getting back up. And uh, so when I say the land of the brave, it's because you know, get ready because you're going to have hardships all along the way. But then you make your own destiny. You decide how far you want to go. You know, the failures are on you, not anybody else. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky in in, in terms, but lucky in terms, you will have more luck if you find your way and you solve the problems. I think that's what luck in essence is. And sometimes you are at the right time, at the right place, but that's what people sometimes think that it's like a lottery. Hey, Mike Zuckerberg, your Snapchat founder and everybody else, man, they made it big. They got lucky. I think it would have been very successful to begin with. The question is how big or how much smaller would they have been? One way or another, those founders would have had success one. So it wasn't about luck, but it was about how big the opportunity came. Now, now do you think, I, I like how, you, how you're talking about luck. And I just want to, I don't want to dive into that a little bit because. It wasn't one of my original questions, but let's go, let's go with it. Do you believe that luck comes more when you're positioning yourself in the right, in the right way or positioning yourself at the right time? You think luck comes, comes, comes to you faster? I think it's an opportunity. I just, you know, that's how I look at it. Uh, I mean, who am I to say? But I mean, you, you hear it all the time, excerpts from, like I said, Jeff Bezos and so on. And he says, I'm lucky. But lucky in that the right time, the right product, everything else. But I mean, look. I think he could have been worth, you know, a company worth $10 billion versus $1.7 trillion. Right. It could have been worth a lot anyway. It's just to how big it became. I think it's about, yeah, I mean, you have opportunities, you take it, but having, finding little uh, areas that allows you to, to find and to kind of go through those paths, uh, you know, that's what I think you call it. And that, you know, the other part is about like finding signs, you know, like having a being there and two being open to what comes in front of you and sometimes being able to detect which way, which way to go. That's kind of creating your path as well. So that's how I would put it. So, so is there, is there a formula right now as, as you see it? Is there a formula for success as you currently are looking at it right now in your life that as, as where you are with your company? And what you've done over the years, what do you see as the like? These are the steps that I, they should take. If you'll listen to right now, yeah. I mean, here's the formula that I know, and maybe somebody knows it better. But for me, is persistence, hard work, and uh, just doing it and figuring little opportunities and making them better and focusing on you know only so many things at once, but yet at the same time knowing that. Yeah, just doing one thing itself doesn't work. By one thing, I don't mean like he's starting like three, four different companies. You start a business, <laughs> yeah. you need to focus on it. And I think what I would, if, if somebody's starting to start out, I think especially in this generation, and by no means I'm struggling every day, 
up open today, yesterday. It's a struggle. It's hard. It's not easy. And it's not like, you know, we're, we're still trying to make it. And it's mm-hmm. somebody would look at us and say, you made it, man. You guys have 8 million users and all that <laughs> other stuff. I look at it as yeah. far as the ones that are 50 and 100 and so on. So you're always trying to go up that way. But in, in, for those that are starting out, maybe the biggest step I can say is, A, find something that you really like. And sometimes you need to do something and realize if you really like it or not. But on the other side, it also would be as you have to really keep working on it. You know, we've been working on this me for seven years now. And, you know, it's been a seven-year journey. And there's going to be years down the road. And I think there's others who do something for like three months or six months. They're like, ah, oh, we have no traction. If this is not working out, man. This is not going to be a big idea. What's the next idea? What's the next thing going to work? They're like they jump in the hoops. And then 10 years later, five years later, they're still trying to freaking figure it out. You, you know, look, sometimes, you know, I know that in, in, the, in a software world, in a business world, I say you need to create an MVP, a medium, minimum viable product, you know, to prove that there is something there. I agree with that. But if that MVP is a piece of crap and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it's 100% not going to work. So you're going to have to work to some degree yeah. to see what it is and what works. And then you also have to pivot along the way. Like, for example, Visme wasn't in its original form, wasn't an all-in-one design tool to begin with. Initially, it was supposed to be to create animations for designers like myself okay. as a starting point. Then that pivoted. And now we're coming back to, we went back to serving all the non-designers and allowing people to create different types of content. And now we're coming back and adding the animation part of it, the interactivity part of it, okay. back into the formula. So it's still the same product, but we shifted and we pivoted and we, we found what, what was going to work for us along the way. Now, is that based on feedback or based on, and I guess we're going to go right to it now, <laughs> to, this, to this, this question. Like, yeah, it was based how, on. How, yeah, how did you ca- carve out this, this niche that you think? Small, that we had a little so, uh, small focus group, 15, okay. 20 people locally then. We put this MVP in front of them, which was pretty damn buggy and, and problematic, put it in front of them to see what they think of it. And it just happens that almost none of them were designers. <laughs> so that's not <laughs> what they were trying to do. Um, right. So maybe that okay. was a mistake. But I'm glad that was the case because, you know, otherwise we would have just kept working on it and would have just been really geared towards the designers. But design community is much smaller than everybody else. Think about all the professionals who are there to create interactive presentations. They don't want to just create a little sl- uh, pitch deck that's just nothing it looks like everybody else's powerpoint right. but they want to be able to right. you know have it nice and be pretty and professional but yet also serve the business purpose so yeah that's kind of where we hit it now i like how you say that you 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 got the feedback was that a struggle for you because I, I know I have, I have a friend who was like that where he's like you know i told him you know a long time ago like like put out the stuff that you know like like for like for for beginners and he was like you know, no, I want to put out the stuff that, you know, you know, I would do, you know, and it's like, was there a struggle in there? Like, you know, this is not what I wanted to do in the first Still place. is. Uh, yeah, it has <laughs> been. I mean, we, we face that all the time where how do we find this balance between the tool becoming way too powerful for the main users of our community, which are non-designers or intermediate designers or very beginner designers versus the appealing to like the large. And we have people ask us all the time. So remember, when you have millions of users, you get a lot of feedback every day. Somebody's asking for some feature or something else. It'd be nice if it did this. And, and yeah. 
you know, how do you find between the noise what makes sense to do? So you kind of have to put them two and two together. You just collect data, collect feedback. You put, you know, put them next to each other, see if there's any correlation. And then you work on those. It's actually a pretty simple formula. If more people are asking for the same thing, you maybe make sense to do it. Or there's something wrong with your tool if they can't reach that end result. Yeah. Um, versus like one person asking something and then you doing it. Uh, so I think that's that's a you know one way to go. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense because I I remind me of all the times I'm asking for feature stuff and it never never comes up. So, so yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Maybe, I, maybe I'm the only one that wants that. I guess so. <laughs> but let's 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 dive into the competition again. What do you say to people who are tr- who have a startup idea and they're like cringing because they're seeing all this competition already out there and they're mm. thinking, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't put this out there. Maybe I shouldn't follow through with, with this idea. What do you say to people like that? Um, which idea? An idea of their own, or yes, an idea of their own that is say like in your example, you say like you have like you know a DIY kind of graphic mm-hmm. place. I mean, there's several out there now. Yeah, but they sure. think that they have this one idea that's going to be better than all of them. But they still think, you know, how am I going to reach anybody with my my little idea change tweak kind of thing? So if it's something that nobody has done it before you know like let's say it's a design tool and there's a ton of competition so you're mm-hmm. entering the monster you know the, <laughs> the monster's den you know there's going to be tons you're going to get run over and unless you have right. something very different and special to do and so that's one angle or you make it very very specific towards a targeted area then you'll have an entry point right okay. um so that's one way or i think those are the lower risk ways to do things where hey there's already a market and people are doing it knowing that well it's very hard to be like nobody and they come on being like number one when there's so much competition it happens i mean it happens every so often salesforce did it you know canva in our industry has done it great with graphic design and yeah. you know apple you know uh, well they were one of the first but in general it's just you know a lot of companies that Usually the number one players weren't the first ones that started it in business, right? Uh, number one car company, not so much from sales, but from a market cap right now, at least it can argue it's a bubble or not, like Tesla. You know, I mean, they're 100 years late into this, but there you go. So you have to have something very specific and special, but you know that people um, are going to want it or there would be an audience for it because obviously there's others in the business doing it. On the other hand, if you do something that just never existed before, just completely new industry doesn't exist, and you're dealing with a huge amount of risk. Yeah. And I think those are the more risky ones. You're either going to make it huge because <laughs> you're the first into it. Yeah. And again, you still have to do things right, or you know, you're going to have a very small chance of making it. So the safer bet, which is the way I go, is that, huh, there's an audience in this market. How can we solve it or make it easier? So that's how I would say. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. So let's, let's talk about this. Cause I, I'm sure somebody's going to ask, want to hear this question answered. So I'm going to put it out there. It's not even, not even my notes. So mm-hmm. you're, you bootstrapped your company. Why did you, why did you take that route as opposed to finding funding when you think you, when you think maybe there's a point when you probably thought you should, how about that? Yeah. Good, good question. I think, first of all, there's different ways of doing business, right? There's that route and there's this route. I don't think either way is wrong. Yeah. Um, you do carry, I believe, a lot more risk when you go that route, the funding route, at least early on, or at least early on, because you have to move at a certain pace and along, and because of the pace that you have to move, often you may not be able to move at the pace that 
the investors want you to or that you're able to physically accomplish. That means it's going to be a dead end eventually and you're going to walk away with very little. You're going to be closed down eventually or sold, acquired, whatever, for a fraction of what you really should yeah. accomplish. Yeah. Um, that's, so that's one. Um, the, the bootstrap route it can actually be the safer route, but it also really limits you in terms of growth. Now, the consideration we may make one day is that um, the lower risk for us would be that at some point down the road, we may raise. Maybe. We don't know. Whatever becomes the right opportunity. That is a safer route because you have some valuation build. You're generating some revenue and so on. Um, so that's one route. But um, the other one is just a ticket me. That is where you, know, you want to do it on your own sometimes. And that's how we started. Again, that may change. But okay. it's it's pretty fulfilling to look back and say, wow, look at what we built so far. You know, it's just a you know step in the uh, in the stepping stone of what we have to do. But we do it on our own with no outside help. So that I think to me is feels pretty cool. But yeah, I think it also depends. Again, if you know you start like software business, yeah, it costs very little to start it. Very little these days. Anybody can start a software business, you know. I mean, it's it's much cheaper than it was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. But if you want to go and manufacture cars, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You need a lot of headway and so on. <laughs> so you see, it's a little bit different from one is you want to start a bio, a bio, you know, a biotech company. You you know, just to get FDA approval, we're going to need hundred million dollars. <laughs> so you know, that's a little bit different. Right. Yeah. Right. So. I want to. I got three more questions. Hopefully, we might go a little bit past thirty minutes. Hopefully, I hope that's okay. Sure. Um, do you have an onboarding strategy? I think. I think the lifeblood, obviously, especially for a, a tech company, is you know, users. Yep. Users and recurring users. Mm -hmm. Right. Did you have? Do you have one now? Did you have? Did you have one in the beginning? Is it different now? Tell us about that. It's always changing, so I would say we're we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. Like it's like it's hey, it's working, but it's not working well enough. You're trying to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So I mean, look, there's, you know, we are a freemium business. People start free, and then in order for us to generate, some of the users will pay for the tool if they like it enough. Okay. Uh, you want to get more of those users out of the bunch that are coming free, and you want to have as many of them stay longer than they would cancel. That's basically the whole way it works with our, you know, with most software companies uh, these days. So our strategy is a little bit different. Um, we are, you bring a lot of, you want to bring more users in. So even if your percentage doesn't change, you're still going to close more. But at the same time, you want to close some of the, the holes in the bucket. <laughs> the challenge with our tool is that we have two types of users. I mean, I could go through more details, but just the, yeah. very, very simply put. Sure. We have users who are there to do one-off projects. Hey, I'm just here to create one presentation for my school, and that's it. I'm not going to need it again for another year. Right. They're going to pay for like a month, and then they cancel, right? Mm. Those are not our preferred users, but we have our doors open to them. They can come, and they do a lot, and they come and use the tool, and they actually generate a decent amount of our, of our revenue, probably more of it. Mm. And then we have the other ones that are the, the businesses, companies. I need to create documents and designs and graphics and presentations and interactive things on a regular daily, weekly basis and so on. And not only me, but I also have my colleague who I want to share my design with or he or she can use this, let's say, presentation and create her next one from. Or we have this library of assets and our brand isn't all set up in our presentation. So we're all on brand. Then we have those, the businesses, right? So we want more of those. 
while still attaining and not alienating those that are here to just to do that. So that's the part. And we have shot ourselves in the foot a lot by still tailoring to both ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. because I think we could be even more profitable and higher revenue and so on if we just strictly focus on businesses and nobody else. But I didn't start this tool just about making money. I started this tool because I wanted and our, the team here wants everybody to be able to create different things. So our doors are open to both sides while we are tailoring our focus towards each of them in a different way. So the onboarding is different from one to the other. Depends on the use case. That's great. Okay, that's awesome. I understand that. Have you guys ever thought about doing a, a, like a, a different company, a premium kind of thing with a different name? That's all, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just dropping that out there. For yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sure, it's across the mind. But you know what? Uh, the answer is no because um, it's one brand. It's not, you know, it costs money to build a brand and maintain it, support it, and all that other stuff. So it's one, um, but, you know, we have different plans. You know, we have a business plan, we have a standard plan, uh, we have enterprise plan. So it's the same tool, it's just that certain things open and lock in. But no, it's still the based on a freemium model. And again, we're experimenting with things. Things may change over time. We've done different things and see which one works better. But so far, freemium is, we can get people into an entry point and then migrate them up. Awesome. Okay. All right. So, a couple more questions. Why? I think you might have already answered this, but just in your in, in summation, why do startups fail? Well, if I was still reading an article, can't remember the name of it, and many of them have rewritten. One of them was internal issues. One of the reasons a lot fail is internal problems and conflicts. Other ones, uh, you know, again, that have to do with running out of, you know funds and not being able to find a market fit and so on and so on. Look, there are, for any business, there is a risk that at one point or another, there's a possibility that they could fail at any given time. Um, like the major disaster and so on, those are possible for any company. In general though, the more common I think reasons and so on usually is, yeah, you eventually, either the motivating factor runs out if you're small, I mean, it depends. If you're yeah. small, you have a, you don't have a market fit, you can't grow, generate users, and get subscriptions or generate revenue. So that's one. Sometimes, you know, uh, it, ha it can be others. But I think that you know, having a product that nobody wants, or software, yeah. or service, whatever it is, nobody, many people want, or they're very unhappy with it. Yeah. You know, that's that's eventually a you know you know failure for six uh, you know formula for for failure. Another one would be is, you know, um, when I talk about planning earlier, I don't mean like don't plan, but, you know, have a yeah. plan that is subject to adjustment and changes. And if you're just setting your ways and say, this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. And no matter what, this is how we have to do it. And then you, their signs are there. And if you don't, eventually you're going to get run over. So that's, that's how I would explain. It. Awesome. So I'm going to, I got two more questions. <laughs> I, I want, I want to tell, tell people again, why Vizme? Why, why should I use your tool? Because I just feel, like, feel like you need to say it again, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you haven't said it already. Why use your tool as opposed to, like you say, Canva or Get Stencil or sure. all the other ones, Crello, all the other ones out right. there? So I would classify, I think in all great tools, I would classify those as more of a design tool, as a graphic tool. Okay. Even though they have the ability to create some other types of things, it's very dumbed down for those. But they do a great job for just very basic, quick little graphics you want to get. 
with Visme, you could do all of that, but then you can also do so much more. If you want to create a full-fledged presentation or document, and you want it to be as interactive as you want or as simple as you want it to be, Visme allows you to do that. If you want to be able to track engagement, how many people are viewing which page or which slide and for how long, we have the tools in our business plan to do that. We give you the complete set to be able to set your branding guidelines. We go as far as allowing you to save, save individual slides so they can reuse them later. We give you the ability, as you use the tool more, it gets more and more productive for you because you can save little components, not just images or icons, but blocks of content, groups of objects, so you can reuse them in other design later. And the list goes on. So, you know, it's basically where you want to have, you know, <laughs> you want to have both sides of the spectrum. You want to have simplicity and the power when you need it. That's what Visme is. And that's why we're working so hard is to give you the best of both worlds. And that's where we come into play. And I think the best way is for people to really just use our tool and try a couple other ones and then just dig deep with ours on the surface. Um, the learning curve is just a tad, just a tad more than others, not a lot. But if you go and give it five, 10 extra minutes than the other tools, you're going to be very pleased with all the different things you're going to find behind it. So I could go on, but let's leave it at, at just those because I, uh, there's I, more. I, I think that's a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand. I understand. It's a full-fledged yeah. um, tool, the graphic tool. So one last question then. Prima, I really appreciate it. This has been great, actually. I mm -hmm. wanted to have you on here. So one last question, access of all of my guests. It goes something like this. There are people who are watching right now, people will be listening later, and they have similar goals, similar interests, they have startup ideas that they want to have bunches of a bunch of users, you know, using their tools, recurring users, rather should I say, paying recurring users more so. And they want to do the things that you're doing. They want to, you know, have 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 a um, a startup like yours where it's it's going in the right direction. Can you tell them, and I'll put you front and center, can you tell them just in your own words, how they can become an authority in this space? Well, first, you have to be pretty damn good at it. Uh, and that takes, you know, that rule of spend 10,000 hours doing something to be really, really good at it. You know, I was doing design for about 10, 11 years before I got into creating a design tool, in essence, right? So that's number one. And then two, it's not going to come overnight. Right, you have to really work at it, and you're gonna lose a lot of sleep at it. And you have to keep just tiny, look for tiny little signs of life, and then work on those. So yeah, I I, I would I would put it in in those words. That is perfect. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard something like that in a while. Like you have to be good at it. You have to be mm -hmm. good at what you do, right? Yeah. You start there. I, I, that's amazing. And I you're not. And you're not. And you're not good at what you do to begin with. You know. I mean. So. Uh, it, you, you start somewhere and then, but it just, all I'm saying is that it takes a lot of time and effort to get really good at something because, and I think that's the thing I see some people say is that, well, I'm not good at anything. Right. You're not, it, well, you, maybe you're not good at anything because a, you haven't, you don't have the confidence and two, you actually didn't spend enough time in doing something, whatever it is, yeah. it takes a lot of work and you get better at it. And then it gets a lot more fun as you get better at it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple rule. Hard to do, but pretty simple. Absolutely. Un un unbelievable. Great stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Tim, can you tell us where uh, where you want people to go after the show? How about that? <laughs> well, they could go to visme.com or visme.co. Either way is us. Go in there, 
create a free account, play around with it, see what you want, that's what you like to do. And also for those of you that don't even want to use the tool, you just like want to become better presenters and so on, we have a free course uh, that is free for everybody to use. And there should be a little banner at the top of our site. doesn't matter, you go to our blog or website and uh, you can take this little presentation course that is uh, packed with videos and so on and is absolutely free. There's nothing behind it. And, um, you know, one of my colleagues, Mike, walks you through these short four or five minute videos, how to create better, impactful presentations so that you can become a better presenter in person, and also on, on screen and uh, the end result of the presentation you create and how you can connect your audience, engage with them and so on. It's a pretty neat thing. And you actually get a certificate. You can drop it right on your LinkedIn and so on that you've been Bisme certified. So that's another thing you can do. And if you want to connect with me, get on LinkedIn you will not find another person with the same first name or last name. So I'll be easy to find. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Can I, can I sneak in one, one last question before we get out of here? I will invoice you for that one, but let's do it. Let's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what is, what is your take on LTD? It seems like it's been very more, pop, much, much more popular now. What's your take on that? LTD. Tell me what that it's stands lifetime, for. Lifetime deals. Oh, lifetime deal. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like AppSumo. Yeah, like AppSumo. Well, we did an AppSumo deal, which is one of the lifetime deals years ago. I have okay. regrets and I have <laughs> likes and regrets on it. And not, you know, it's the regrets would be is, hey, you're giving a piece of your software to a certain group of people forever and you will yeah. ever have to serve them and take care of them and so on. So yeah, it's it's a one-time thing. However, for traction, I think it's pretty good. It could be good for you to get your foot through the door and get some feedback, but only do it when you're really ready. And uh, don't do it because you're there to say, oh my God, they're gonna, I'm going to make an X amount of dollars. It could almost be a little funding that you do, but just know that it's not free funding. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean is that you're you're going to get something, but mm -hmm. you're going to have to take care of users and time to support those users and so on for a time in exchange for what they're going to give you. So my story on that would be is it depends on the type of service you provide. If your service provides uh, requires a lot of handholding or uh, a lot of support and so on, then um, or high touch if it's a high touch product then i would 100 not really recommend those because you're you're going to have to take care of those users for a long time however it's more something that uh, it's more of a giveaway and it's going to be very low touch then sure that could be a good avenue uh to to explore as a one-time thing awesome and cindy's calling um i'm commenting in the name of your guest please tell me your name <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Payman, P-A-Y-M-A-N. Yes. And you can also type that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Payman, Payman Tai E. Yep. And I know people kind of get your name not too correct all the time, but... but uh, That's okay. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, awesome stuff. I appreciate you coming through here. This has been this has been great, man. I'm going to... I'm going to relook at your... Really, really look at your Vizme again, because this is this has been fascinating. Because I think I, I think I'm missing some things that I want from from a graphic tool for sure. So I'm glad you, at least for me. Hopefully, uh, for everybody else too can relook at at Vizme again. Because I know I think it's a, uh, yeah, it's come. We've come a long way. You know, it's a year ago. We have users that dropped into the new version we launched in uh, yeah, late last year, and uh, it's very different than what it was before. So lots of stuff in the in the pipeline. 
Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, I am good. Just everybody, you know, I want to wish everybody still a happy new year. It's still kind of early in January. So happy new year. And go ahead and sign up at the authorityletter.com. I am writing every week to you guys to help you build your authority platform. I have a three-part video series as well. Get on that if you can. I'm going to get some, some very deep stuff in those in those letters each week. So get on that for sure. And I am good. Hey, this has been great. I appreciate you, Paymon. Any last words? Any last words before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think that's it, man. I mean, have a good year and hopefully it'll be different than the last one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Thank Remember, you. build it, share it, and they will come. Thank you so much and be blessed. We're out. Awesome. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.